You think about the book of Revelation that we've just begun and how Jesus Christ talked about the churches in terms of lampstands. And I am amazed thinking about the fact that God has enabled and empowered this church family to be a lampstand in Georgetown in Williamson County for 150 years. It's amazing. It's particularly amazing when you read in Revelation and you hear God say to the majority of those churches, if you don't get things right, I'm going to come in there, I'm going to remove your lampstand. Well, for 150 years, we've been getting it enough right for God to let us stay here. And I am grateful for his grace and mercy that he has never removed the lampstand from this place. And I look forward to the next 150 years of shaping where we go. I look forward to what God is doing in this place. It's really interesting about five years ago, if you had come up to me and said to me, hey, where do you think you'll be in October of 2016? I can promise you this, First Baptist Georgetown was not on the radar. But God in his kindness saw fit to bring my path to this place in this moment and here I find myself and I want to just be a part of helping us launch forward into the next 150 years. As much as today is about celebrating what God has done, and certainly we have many reasons to celebrate. We have six men before us that give us great tangible reasons to celebrate. As much as today is about looking back and celebrating the goodness of God, it is also about launching forward into the next stage of life as a lampstand right here in Williamson County. And as much as I was surprised to now be a part of that, maybe you didn't realize where you would be today in 2016, October, right here, sitting in this place. But I want to tell you, you being here means that you are playing a part in launching forward into the next 150 years. I want to encourage you this morning how we can all play our part to see God launch us forward in the next 150 years. If there's any place we need to start, if there's any place we need to attach our minds, we need to attach our minds and our hearts to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 31. It says, the one who boasts should boast in the Lord. We gave great applause and much deserved honor to these six men. Rightfully so, absolutely necessary. But every one of those men would stand here before you today and say, if we're going to boast in anything, we should boast in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this ought to be our attitude, our approach to this opportunity right now to play a part in launching forward in the next 150 years. We must understand that we are here exclusively because Jesus Christ planted us here in this moment right here to be faithful as a family of God reaching people for Jesus Christ. And if we're going to play our part, it doesn't need to get real complicated. It's not really hard. It's actually very simple. If we're going to play our part, you know what we need to do as a church family? We need to stick to our vision. We need to stay true to who we are. 
You know who we are as a church family? We're a church that's seeking to make disciples in every nation, starting right here in Georgetown and filtering out, rippling out to the ends of the earth. We are a church who has embraced the commission of Jesus Christ to his church to make disciples of everyone we can come encounter. We can encounter. We are called to make disciples. That is our mission. We need to stick to our mission. We need to make sure we stay true to what God has called us to do as a church. It doesn't get more complicated than that. It doesn't get more significant than that. That is exactly who we're supposed to be. We're not to get distracted from that. We're not to lose our way and get caught up in other things. We are to make sure that everything we do is filtered through making disciples. We have used the phrase, love God, love people, help others do the same. To capture this picture of making disciples in the nation, we simply need to make sure that everything we do falls under the umbrella of loving God, loving people, and helping others do the same. In fact, if there's anything that we're doing that doesn't fit under that umbrella, it needs to be modified to fit under it, or we just need to stop doing it. Because we don't have enough time to be distracted by other things that don't fit under the umbrella of making disciples. We need to stay true to the vision. We need to give our lives to the vision of making disciples right here where we live, right here when we live. The reason we want to make disciples, the reason we want to love God, love people, and help others do the same is because God has loved us. God loves us. And we believe that and we know that. And we know that God loves us and we believe that God loves us because God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. We were incapable of remedying our own sin against God. We were separated from him and dead in our sins. But God, because he loved us, sent Jesus Christ to die for us. He rose again from the dead, overcoming sin and death so that we might, through faith in Jesus Christ, receive forgiveness of our sins and the promise of eternal life. God loves us and we believe it and we know it because God expressed his love for us in Jesus Christ. And when we recognize the significance of God's love for us, seen in Jesus Christ, it compels us to love people. We want to love people because we have been so loved and we realize the greatest way we can display love for people is simply by telling them, God loves you and he sent his son to die for you so that the sins you've committed, just like I've committed, can be forgiven by God and you can receive eternal life, life that begins now with a relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to love people because God has loved us and we know the greatest way to love people is by simply telling them about the love of Christ. You know, some of the greatest joys in life are meant to be experienced simply by helping someone else know the love of God. A couple weeks ago, I ran into a guy, and it seemed like coincidence, but we all know that those things don't happen by coincidence. He's a young 20-something, and I began having conversation with him. And it was really unusual that we met and the way we met. And I said, you know what? It strikes me in this moment that perhaps we met because I have something that you need to hear. And so he said, well, okay, what do you have to say that I might need to hear? And I began to share with him the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just shared with him how God loved him. You could see it begin to affect him on his countenance. His countenance became very serious. He began to cry. Tears began to come down his face. And he says, I want to follow Christ. 
and he prayed to receive Christ as tears rolled down his cheeks. He stood up after he prayed to receive Christ and I stood up with him and he came over and he embraced me and he said, thank you so much for saving my life. If you'd not taken the time to tell me that, I don't know what would happen to me. I'm just going to tell you, it's one of the greatest joys of life. Just to be loving God and then loving people and then actually helping them to do the same thing. There is simply nothing more significant we can give our lives to than helping people find Jesus Christ. This is who we are as a church family, and this is how we will shape the next 150 years. So I got a question for you this morning. Do you love God? Is who God is and what God says filling your thoughts? Do you find that you're still interested in who God is and what he says? Are you still amazed at the fact that God chose to love you? That he chose to send Jesus Christ to die for you? Is Jesus' expression of his love for you on the cross still mesmerizing your heart and mind and capturing your heart? And are you still finding yourself absolutely amazed that God decided to love you? Are you still absolutely astounded at God's love? Do you love God? He loves you. Right where you are today, right in this moment, right here in this moment God loves you just the way you are but see what God has done he's provided a way for you to trust him and walk with him and find the joy of being shaped into the image of his son leaving sin behind and experiencing more of the joy of his righteousness he's made a way for you to experience that because he loves you are you still amazed by that do you love the Lord. It really all begins and ends right there. Because if you don't love God because of his love for you, you will not love people like he created you to love them. You'll walk by people and you won't even recognize they're there. You'll go and run errands and you won't even remember that you encountered another human being. You just go about your things and you won't even recognize who the people are you're passing. But if you are constantly struck by the love of God, that he would love one such as you, that you and your sin he accepted and brought into his family because of the blood of Jesus Christ, if you are astounded by the love of God, you will find within yourself the love of God coming out to the love of people but it all begins and ends with your love for God you will never help others to love God and love people and help others do the same if you are not amazed at the love of God and I'm inviting you today to look at our history to see these six men before us and see what God has provided for us to know him and walk with him to think of the individuals that have come into your life that have told you about Jesus Christ so that now you're here hearing about Christ worshiping Christ think of all the things that's happened through your entire Entire life to bring you to this moment where God is saying to you, He loves you. God loves you. And will you be captured again by His love and be used by Him to just love Him and love people and help others do the same? This is who we are 
And this is how we will shape the next 150 years of this church family. If we will just stick to our vision, if we'll just keep to that simple task, and this is what we do and this is who we are, do you know what's going to happen in our church family? Do you remember back in January? If you were here back in January, I did a vision sermon for the year, and I talked about three waves that I was asking the Lord just to rush over our church family with. One is the wave of unity. Another was a wave of generosity, and the third one was the wave of disciple-making. Do you know if we just stay to our vision that we will find ourselves unified around the gospel of Jesus Christ? And a church that's unified is a church that overcomes any and every obstacle and challenge that the future may bring. And we should not mistake for one second that our future does not involve challenges and obstacles. It does. We don't have to look much further past November to recognize we have challenges and difficulties ahead. But unity enables a church to overcome obstacles. I was speaking with a lady in the last few weeks. She's been a member here in our church for many, many years. And she said essentially to me, I've seen a lot of changes. But I'm willing to walk through the changes. Because I want to reach people for Jesus Christ. Unity. Around a single vision. To reach people for Jesus Christ. Will enable us to overcome any and every obstacle. We just got to stay true to the vision. If we stay true to the vision, you know what's going to happen? We're going to see generosity just continue to explode here. Because when people are captured by a vision, they are willing to make the sacrifices to accomplish that vision. We, we have a vision here of reaching people for Jesus Christ. And I have been so excited to see this generosity that's been coming out of our church. But we've, we've got a lot of areas we need generosity. In fact, a generous church sees the faith that moves mountains. If we'll stick to the, to the vision, we'll become more and more generous and we will see faith moving mountains. You know, about a month ago, we started the gym venue. So there's a bunch of folks over there in the gym right now. They're here with us in this moment. And we started this about a month ago. The first Sunday we did it, we had about 170 people go over there. It was an amazing experience during the 11 o'clock hour to create more space in this building so that visitors and guests can come in here and find a place and be a part of what's happening here with the Lord. And it was an amazing experience. We got a phone call the week after that first meeting saying, man, it was a great meeting. We loved it. It was very exciting. But the chairs in there were terrible. You've heard that the ears can only endure what the seat can put up with, you know, that kind of deal. <laughs> Terrible. So here's what I want to do. You guys pick out the right chairs for the gym venue and tell me how much they are. I want to buy 300 of them and I'll write the check. And over there this morning, those folks in the gym right now who are with us in this moment are probably celebrating and clapping because of the chairs they're sitting on. <laughs> Generosity. We just moved a mountain. We didn't tell anybody what we needed. We didn't say anything about it. We just put them in very uncomfortable chairs. It became very obvious <laughs> what we needed. And because we're about a vision to love God, love people, and help others do the same, somebody said, I believe in that vision, and I'm going to be generous because God's given me the means, and we're going to move a mountain. we got a lot of other mountains to move here. And we'll move them all. We stay true to the vision. 
A church that stays true to this vision can be a church that makes disciples. And a church that makes disciples is a church that reaches the world. we got people all over the world right now. In fact, this morning, Ivan Rusin is here from the Ukraine. Where is he? There's Ivan. He's from the Ukraine. He is a pastor and works in a seminary in Ukraine. We've been working with him in the ministry there for 10 years. Thank you, Ivan. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's amazing. we got people all over the world. This last month, somebody from our church moved back to China to teach English. She sent me a prayer request. Please pray for me because I'm trying to reach people for Jesus Christ. We've got people all over the world because a church that makes disciples touches the world. We just need to stick to the vision. You know, when I first came here, I got a, I got a contact from a friend named Tony. He had previously pastored in Vermont. And he contacted me and he said, I want you to know the church that you've gone to loved me when I was in Vermont as a pastor and made all the difference in my life. And I was able to faithfully serve there. So I want you to know what kind of church you're going to. I'm going to tell you, that was incredibly encouraging to me because in that moment I recognized First Baptist is a church that believes in making disciples and making disciples reaches the world. And I want to be a part of a church the world for Jesus Christ. Amen? I mean, isn't that what you want to be a part of? Don't you want to be a part of something like that? And I'll tell you, the reason why I want to be a a part of a church that wants to reach the world for Jesus Christ is because, frankly, I would like the joy in heaven to increase because we existed. Luke chapter 15, verses 8 through 10, talk about a woman who lost a coin. And she goes about searching for that one lost coin. She has other coins, but she has one that's lost, and she's concerned about the lost one because she wants that coin to be found like the other coins that she has. She goes about seeking after that coin. When she finds it, the Scripture says, doesn't she invite everybody to come over and celebrate with her that she found that one coin that she had lost? In the same way, the angels in heaven have joy and rejoicing when a sinner repents and finds Jesus Christ. I want the joy of heaven to increase because we existed as a church. Don't you? If we will stay true to the vision, if we will stay true to the vision, we will increase the joy of heaven because we will see sinner after sinner just like you and me repent and turn to Jesus Christ, find eternal life, begin to love God, love people, and help others do the same. If we're going to live that way for the joy of heaven, you know what's going to require of you and me? We're going to have to pray. We're going to have to be on our knees crying out to God because if we endeavor to live like this, like never before, we will encounter spiritual barriers and difficulties and attacks, and we need to be a people who pray. People get on our knees before God, who fast before God, who cry out for those around us who do not know Jesus Christ. We must be a people who pray. Will you join me in praying for the people around you that do not know Christ? Will you cry out for them? Will you join me in asking the Lord for their lives? And then will you be willing to join me in telling them about Christ? We simply can't be the people just who pray, who just demonstrate the love of Christ. We must also be the people who proclaim the gospel of Christ. How will people in Williamson County hear about Christ around which we live, around which we work, if we do not tell them about Jesus Christ? 
We must speak the truth of the gospel. If we want to increase the joy of heaven, we must be a people who are broken in spirit for the salvation of those who live around us. And we must be willing at whatever cost to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ, believing that the words of Christ bring forth faith unto salvation. I want to stick to the vision no matter what. And I am grateful that God has brought us to this moment in this place to call us forward in the next 150 years. You know, I'm not the same person that I was when I moved here in 2015. I'm not the same pastor you hired. God has been changing my life. He's been sharpening me He's been calling me to prayer. He's been calling me to holiness. He's been calling me to a greater admiration of his word and a deeper love for him and a longing for his spirit's work. I've been being changed. And I'm so thankful to be a part. And I, and I know enough of many of your stories to say with confidence you've been being changed too. God's been changing your life, and here we are, we stand at this moment, a crossroads, looking back, and yet recognizing that what God's doing in each of our lives right now has everything to do with what we're going to do to shape the next 150 years. And I'm asking you to consider what that means. See, the next 150 years will be shaped by what you and I do in the next 15 minutes. Will you decide that you will surrender to Jesus Christ and his commands no matter what? Will you decide that reaching people for Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign your life and that you will give yourself to that end? What you do in the next 15 minutes will shape the next 150 years. The next 150 years will be shaped by what you do in the next 15 days. Will you begin to change some of the ways that you live this week? Will you begin to alter some of the behaviors so that you put yourself in a position to know the love of God more than you're putting yourself in a position to know the love of God now? Will you put yourself on your knees before God, crying out to him for people you've not prayed for yet? Will you do something over the next 15 days that will show that your behavior is responding to the move of God's spirit in your life right now in the next 15 minutes? The next 150 years will be shaped by what each one of us do in the next 15 months. Because in the next 15 months, we'll decide whether or not we want to give our lives to this one thing, to love God to love people, and to help others do the same. How will you spend your life? What is worth all that you are? How will you respond to this moment? I'm praying that we will all make the decision today to love God, love people, and help others do the same like never before for the rest of our lives, for the glory of God.